Hi there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Hey, it's good to come to church. It's good to come to church. This is the church. Why is it good to come to church? It's good to come to church because we need to remind ourselves... We, I'm going to tread on that, so I'm going to move it. We need to remind ourselves and reorientate ourselves around the fundamental truth of life. It doesn't matter whether you are, have been kicking goals all over the place this week and just nailing everything, or whether you've just had a really, really crappy week or month or year. The same is true. The defining reality of the world and your life is that there is a God who is really, really good and He loves you. And His Son Jesus died for the world and the God is at work and present in the world, reconciling the world, transforming lives, setting people free. That is the defining reality of all life. It doesn't matter whether you've got a big bank account or a really low bank account. It doesn't matter whether you've just scored a job or you've been trying to get a job for three months and no one will even talk to you. None of that matters in comparison to the defining truth that God is real, that He is good, that He is loving, that He sent His Son. And Jesus, by the power of His Holy Spirit, is at work today and tomorrow and every single day. And the future is going to be worked out in accordance with God's purposes. That is what The problem is we tend to forget that. So the Bible says don't give up meeting together. So we come back to reorientate ourselves to what is true. And that's why when we sing, we don't just sing songs because it's nice to sing songs. We sing songs because we are proclaiming what is true. We are singing about what is true. We are worshipping God and proclaiming to Him what is true. We're, we're, we're saying, Jesus, I love you. We're reminding ourselves at times. Yeah, you are good. We're encouraging one another. And we gather around the Scriptures because we need reorientating. We get knocked around in the week and all sorts of things draw our attention. And we need to come back and say, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. So it's good to be together. It's got nothing to do with my sermon. Well, it kind of does, but, but we're, uh, we're getting there. I need, um, this is, can this grow? I don't need it that high. I just want to see if I'd pull it out. Um. Instagram moments uh, in the book of Acts. We're following the Apostle Peter. Now, the Apostle Peter, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And uh, he, he was right in the thick of it with Jesus. He was with Jesus' ministry. He walked the streets with Jesus. He saw Jesus heal people. He, he was involved with the other uh, apostles in, in doing healing ministry. Uh, but he was also part, not only was he one of the disciples, he was sort of part of the inner three. And uh, with Peter, James, and who knows the other one? John, Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. They were sons of Zebedee. They had a nickname. Does anyone know what the nickname was? Sons of Thunder. And Peter was a bit brash as well. So somehow God's inner circle with these sort of, sort of um, brash sons of thunder and fishermen. So Peter was not only, not only one of the disciples, he was 
in the inner three. The inner three were the three, Peter, James and John, that Jesus took on the mountain when he was transfigured. They were the three that he drew aside in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was just about to be uh, arrested. He was also the three that he took to the upper room when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. So Peter was, Peter was right there in the thick of it. And he was sort of brash. He was sort of make, the guy who would make bold claims. You know, he said while they were sitting around the table, God, Jesus, even if everyone denies you, I will never deny you. I will deny, I will die for you if needed. And Jesus said, yeah, no, nah, not so much. You're actually going to deny me three times. And we know that he did. Standing around a fire while Jesus was getting prosecuted by the, the chief leaders of the law, talking to a servant girl, he said, no, I don't know him. He, he wanted to be disassociated. But this same Jesus also saw Jesus crucified. And he saw Jesus after his resurrection. He sat and ate with Jesus after the resurrection. He um, was there, in, it records in Matthew 28, when Jesus ascended into heaven. And Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, because I will be with you forever, even till the ends of the earth. This is Peter right in the thick of it. And Peter was there in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, (coughs) when Jesus left. He said, stay in Jerusalem until you're anointed with power. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on 120 people who were in the upper room. Tongues of fire came in the head. They started speaking in other tongues. And Peter got up and preached a sermon which about 3,000 people were converted on that day. And so this is the dude that we are following um, as we go through these Instagram moments. Now we're going to read the scripture of where uh, in Acts chapter 3... Who's got the means of opening a Bible? Get your phone. See if you can find it. Okay, Acts chapter 3, because we're going to read it in a moment. But it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. But the backdrop for that actually occurs in Acts chapter 2. So you go to Acts chapter 3, if you can find it, and I'll read you from Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, this is where Ben spoke from last week. It said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So when we come to our reading in Acts chapter 3, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer three o'clock in the afternoon this is just what they did every single day they would go to the temple if you don't have it on your phone you've got it up there so I want to read I want to read this first part of it together one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon now a man who was lame from birth had been carried to the temple gate called beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, what do we learn from this? Well, there's a few things we need to understand. Firstly, we know Peter and John go into the temple every single day. Sometimes they might even go twice a day, at nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon. And this guy has been lame from birth. He's never been able to walk. Um, He's after not having used your legs all of your life, they are probably not much more than bone and skin and not much else. They'll just be these awkward things that you sort of got to fold under yourself while you sit on the ground. 
The other thing we know from this part of the scripture is that he has to be carried. And every single day he is carried from wherever he lives to this spot near the gate called Beautiful. And the beggars tended to have their spot. You know, this, this is my spot where I beg. And the other thing we know from the culture is that there are going to be other beggars around. Okay, we didn't have social security. We didn't have um, any means that the government used to support. If you didn't, couldn't work, if you didn't have a means of support, you needed to beg. And so as we see in, in parts of the world still today, there would have been numbers of beggars around of Jerusalem, people who were seeking charity, arms in order to survive. There would have been numbers of people around this gate and there would have been numbers of people around the other gates of the temple. Now, the reason they would tend um, to congregate around the temple was because in Jewish religious custom, it was a good thing to give alms to the poor, to give charity. It was seen as meritorious. And so as people are going about their religious activities, it's a cool thing. I'm going to plonk myself near the gate while they're going in and doing the God thing because they might feel disposed to give me some money. So we continue to read. When Peter, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Now again, that might seem a bit weird. He's asked them for money. They look straight at him. And then he says, look at us. But I don't know whether you've seen beggars, but if you have spent your entire life sitting in the dirt, needing to ask other people for charity in order to be able to eat, they generally won't look you in the eye. Because there's only so many times you can look someone in the eye and see them look at you and pass away. It starts to corrode your soul. Often what they'll do is they'll go arms or money and they'll pan their hand out or their, their bowl out, but they won't look at you. They'll sort of look down. So Peter, for some reason, and we're not told why, but for some reason, Peter and John see this beggar and they go, Abby, look at me. And they looked straight at him. Then Peter said, uh, so the man gave him attention. He said, cool, I'm going to get some coin out of this. This is a good thing. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Can you imagine how the guy felt like that? Come on, dude. Three people have gone past in the time you've been getting my attention. I could have got some money of them. And you get me to look at you and you've got no money. In the name of Jesus Christ, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, what Peter does here is he makes really, really clear the person and the authority by which he speaks. And he says, Jesus Christ, that is Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Saviour of Nazareth. Now, saying Nazareth didn't add to his sort of prestige. It's not like Jesus Christ of Paris or London or New York. Nazareth, there wasn't anything special about Nazareth. You know, Nazareth is one of those places that's better to have come from than to actually still be in. But Jesus was known as a Nazarene and he was from Nazareth. What Peter is saying is Jesus, the per and this is in Jerusalem, this is in the temple. Everyone knew about Jesus. Jesus had been a big deal in the city. 
everyone would have known that there's this guy who people were talking about, the Messiah. Remember they had the palm branches on Palm Sunday. They were wanting to, to call him as king. And then a week later, he's crucified. He was healing people. Thousands of people were going out to hear him in the country. They knew about this Jesus. And they knew he died. This beggar would have been sitting at the gate inevitably as Jesus walked in and out of the temple. Jesus healed huge numbers of people, the lame, the blind, the lepers. This beggar would have heard the stories of Jesus healing people. He would have been there as Jesus was going in and out. He would have heard, wonder, hoped that he might be healed. But clearly he wasn't. And Peter is orientating to say, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. I wonder what it would have been like for that guy. I was sitting there watching you, Luke, thinking, it says his feet were made strong. And you guys are runners. I wonder whether, like, you know, when he stood up, you pitch him against you, whether, you know, God's healed. It's, it's like super strength, like he's got big calves or... I don't know why I was thinking about that, but I was thinking about that. Can you, can you comprehend these... All his legs have been, all his life, is just this inconvenient thing. He's sort of got to tuck under himself while he sits down. And all of a sudden, Peter pulls him up and he is standing for the first time in his entire life out of the dust, unsupported. You, you can understand, it goes on to say, instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. You would be, you'd be going, cool, I can, this is, this is really, yep, they don't give in. Can you imagine how exhilarating and mind-bending that would have been? You'd have been, hey, I can do it backwards. This is cool. I, it is extraordinary. And everyone knew. It goes on to read, um, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. People knew this dude. They recognised him. Every day that they go in and out of the temple, they would have seen there, him there because they knew them. They, they had their spot. Everyone knew, recognised his face. And all of a sudden, he is walking. Now that is an Instagram moment. That is an Instagram moment. Can you imagine the selfie? Hey, can, I, can you get, put your leg out so I can just get a, a copy of that calf muscle popping there? I mean, you would. If it was today and this guy was in Hay Street Mall and he'd been begging every single day and some dude walks up in the name of Jesus Christ of Balga, stand up and walk and, and, and pulls him up and he's walking and he's you know doing the old thing and jumping up on the sidewalk. People would be amazed. They would be taking photos. They'd be, you know... Peter, James and the jumper in the middle. It would be amazing. You would, it would be on social media, it would be Facebook, it would be on Instagram and, and uh, it would be pretty cool. What would be the captions? You know, I was wondering, um, new walker, needs sandals? There's a number of places I could go there and I probably shouldn't. Um, but this, this was a guy that they knew. It wasn't as though this guy had just turned up. You know, hey, who's the new dude? You see, we don't know why Peter and John noticed him, but he did. It doesn't tell us why. It's not as though, you know, 
all of a sudden there's a new face that they haven't seen before. Wow, I wonder how he got there. He certainly didn't walk. Um, okay, that was bad. Thank you, Peter. I'm glad you laughed. I thought I'm going to get in trouble for that one. For some reason, this guy caught their attention. The scripture doesn't tell us why. But I'll come to that. So what happens next? So the crowd are going nuts. This guy's going nuts. He's doing backwards somersaults. He's, you know, trying to race Luke in the hundred and says, come on, let's try it out. It would be really easy to sort of hype this. But if we go on, and this won't be on the screen, but I'll read it for you. What Peter said is amazing. Peter says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Because the guy's walking. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers. Now remember, these guys are now in the temple and they are speaking to a Jewish audience. And they, their God was the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was the God of their forefathers. He was orientating his message here into a Jewish context that they understood. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, even though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. What is he saying? We're witnesses of this. This happened in Jerusalem. People were aware of this. This was big news. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can see. So this Huge hubbub is happening in the temple. This guy's going nuts. People are going crazy. They've got their iPhones out, taking pictures. Um, but Peter says, fellow Israelites, friends, why does this surprise you? And he immediately moves the glory back to God. He disavows any significance of himself. And he points to Jesus. And he uses the opportunity of the miracle to speak to the good news of Jesus Christ. Quite often through the book of Acts, you'll see an act or a sign or a healing and it opens the opportunity to speak to the good news. He goes on to say, Now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your fathers, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah. When Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, he's saying, Jesus, the Messiah. And he's using the power of the healing to give testimony to the fact that this person who was crucified, that people knew was killed, was in fact the Messiah, the anointed one. And Peter's using the opportunity to draw people to Christ. So what, what, what can we learn from this? See, Peter, Peter wasn't sitting at home thinking, man, I've got a responsibility for, for this church thing. I've, 
I've got to work out how we continue to grow it. There's a bit of momentum, but I've noticed the likes on my Facebook are dropping off a bit. I'm not getting as many followers on the Instagram account. I need to, uh, how do I leverage a bit more influence, get the uh, public profile a bit higher so I can you know, continue to speak and, and, and get some... He's not sitting there in the morning with a strategic plan thinking, man, if I, there's that guy near the gate. Of, if I healed him and took him into the temple, people would be amazed. I'll be able to speak. People would look at us and... None of that is happening here. What's happening is Peter is just going about his day. Every day he goes into the temple. And that's what's happening. He's just doing what he does every single day. And something happens. Now, I want to be really clear here. The Scripture does not tell us what captured Peter and John's attention. But something did. Because they've seen this guy lots and lots of times before. And he would have asked for arms lots and lots of times before. But the Scripture said he looked straight at him. I wonder, and this is speculation, but I wonder whether the Holy Spirit was just at work drawing something to their attention. Just saying, hey, notice notice this. Have you had that situation? Just occasionally something will happen. You just feel like it was important for me to notice that. You know, Vonnie's in hospital and she said, "I I felt it was significant that Shelby was there. And just wanted to be able to check on her a bit. But Peter is just going about his day. He's just doing his thing in the rhythm of his life. And he steps into a moment. It wasn't planned. It wasn't strategized. He steps into a movement moment. God moves and he immediately says, hey, why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Now, that's a funny thing to say unless... You were Peter because Peter had spent three years walking the streets of Jerusalem with Jesus. He'd spent three years following Jesus, watching him heal, watching him transform lives, watching him raise the dead, watching him take some loaves and a few fish and feeding 5,000 people. He had been following Jesus, watching him do the miraculous. See, Peter was captivated by this life-transforming revelation that this guy, Jesus, was the Messiah, the Son of the Most High God. And he saw him die and he saw him resurrected and he understood that every other truth paled into insignificance in comparison to this. And he was there at Pentecost when God essentially birthed the church. And Peter, as he had been following Jesus when Jesus was here, For him, his life was orientated around the reality of who Jesus was. And Jesus was still at work. And so Peter's just going about his day and he's stepping into moments when God is moving, when God is active. And he says, why are you surprised? This is Jesus. He is the Messiah, the righteous one, the author of life. See, I wonder how many Instagram moments we miss. Because our lives are not orientated around the fundamental reality that Jesus is alive and at work and we are invested and indwelt by His Spirit. The Scripture says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And I wonder how many many Instagram moments we just walk past that we can step into because we're just not orientated right. See, my job as the director of ministries at Kerry is embedded in this community. And if anyone is going to be 
orientated about that revelation, you would think it would be me because that's my job. I, every morning I get up, I come down to carry. I never feel like I'm going to work. I, I never feel like oh, I've got to go to work. I just, I get to do this. It's an incredible privilege. And so you would think I would be consistently oriented around this profound revelation that the creator of the universe is alive and moving and I have his spirit within me and he's going about and he's wanting to transform the world. But I don't. I get caught up in emails and to-do lists and I've got to see that person and that person. Then one of the kids is sick and I'm trying to juggle rosters with Vonnie and life gets really busy and, and I miss it. That's why we come back to church because we reorientate ourselves around the truth that God is and He is good and Jesus is alive and He is at work and I, my Holy Spirit is within me. And I get the opportunity to step into moments. Peter's life was orientated around this reality. That's why we have spiritual practices. That's why it's good in the morning to be able to, to just stop and orientate your day around this truth. To be able to sit in the Scriptures and just pray and say, God, I'm your kid. And this is your day. And I'm in your world and you're at work and I just want to be open to whatever you open for me. If there is an opportunity for me to step in and to love and to service, there is something you're doing, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be so busy in my little story that I miss what you're doing in your big story. You see, Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church. That's his job. Our job is to love God and love each other. And if we do that, if, we, if our hearts and our lives are surrendered to God, then we are available just to step in where God is at work. We don't have to build the church. We just have to be focused on the profound, life-transforming reality that Jesus is alive, that we have His Holy Spirit. When you come into church, it's really easy to come in and, and you sort of sit down and, and, and you partway through the third song before you realise, oh yeah, that's right, we're singing. Uh, and you guys have got no excuse, by the way. We have church at nine o'clock in the morning. Some people have got an excuse to be asleep. If you're asleep at this time of day, you've got a problem. Um, but but you, can, you, can, you can just wander through it. I wonder, can we walk into church thinking, wow, this is my chance to reorientate myself around what I know is true. This is my chance to sing out some, some songs that speak truth. This is my chance to tell God and remind myself how I feel about God. This is my chance to speak words that are powerful and life transforming to help remind myself that this is true. And I wonder whether as we step into the community of faith, we say, God, can you just help me to be conscious of what's going on? I love Jet's story. Today, he said, you know, he's grumbling about this and grumbling about it. the Holy Spirit is moving and, and you get put back in your box. I had a similar, the first time we had the Baptist Pastors Conference and I'd just been appointed to this role and I, I attended the Baptist Pastors Conference and I, I walked in late at the back and there is just a sea of grey hair. 
And I thought, this is going to be as fun as a barrel of monkeys. And man, I was put in my box. Those old guys and old ladies, they sang the roof off. It was a community of people who were in love with Jesus and had walked with him for years and they sang the roof off. And I thought, okay, Lord, I get the point. You're at work. And these people have been following you for years and they are singing out of the joy of the experience of what they have come to know. When I'm their age and I'm really, really young, I just grey early. Don't look sceptical at me. When I'm their age, I want to be singing like that because I've experienced what it is like to live my life orientated around the truth that matters and stepping into moments and saying, Lord, my day is yours. What do you want to do with me? Who who can I love? Who can I encourage? When you come to church, there are people, I know some of your stories, there are people who are going through really difficult times. There are people that just need to be encouraged. There are people that just need to be seen, to be noticed, to be welcomed, to be heard. Are, are we stepping into community saying, God, who can, I, who can I encourage? Anyone you want to lay on my heart, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. I'm yours. This Instagram moment of Peter was extraordinary. But he didn't plan it. He just had his life orientated around the truth that matters and is real in every single situation. And he stepped into it. And as soon as something happened, he gave all glory to God and used it as an opportunity to point the way to Jesus. As you go out, having been reorientated, back to remember, that's right, God is real. doesn't matter how difficult the circumstances, God is real. As you go out, as you get up in the morning, if you've never done it before, say, God, I thank you, I'm your kid. I thank you for this day. I've got no idea what you've got planned for this, babe, but if, if you've got anything for me, I'm your man. I've got a big agenda, but your agenda's more important. I've got these little plans, but man, your plans, you're, you're, you are reconciling a world, and I want part of that. I want to I live a life where I get to the end of it. I said, I didn't get on my to-do list, but I stepped into the moments that God was opening up for me. Who wants to live a life like that? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are real and alive and good. I thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign always. Lord, I thank you that you are the defining reality of all that is. Lord, I thank you that you have all authority over everything. And that you have said you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, you know how easily we can get disorientated. We forget who we are and we forget who you are and we get our minds caught up on the wrong things. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters to reorientate ourselves to what is true, to what is right. Lord, we thank you and we we ask, Lord, that you would remind us and draw us to that place where our days are yours, our lives are yours, and the glory is yours. Amen.